This is the Emerging Women Podcast, where we become inspired to live and lead from the truth of who we are. We're creating a new paradigm for power that includes the feminine perspective because the world needs it. Hello, Emerging Women, and welcome to a very special podcast today, an interview with Jana Mall. And she has so many credentials after her name. I'm going to let her <laughs> uh, talk more about her background. But in uh, a short summary, she's an energy medicine practitioner and thought leader and specialist. And she is well-versed in many modalities, including Indigenous healing, sound and color healing. I definitely want to hear about that, the color piece. Reiki, polarity, pranic, reconnection, EFT, energy healing and healing touch. And that is just scratching the surface of all of the different modalities she is an expert in. She's also holds a master's in nursing and so integrates healing through energy into the sort of more conventional areas of medicine. Although I know that this audience is already leaning towards a more blended approach to healing. So this won't be um, too much of a surprise. And it's just such an honor, Jana, to be working with you. I just can't believe how many credentials you have and how well-rooted you are in, in healing, in the field of healing. So welcome. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. Now, in this, you've been practicing energy medicine for decades. And, and can we say decades and decades? <laughs> um, uh, yes, since the mid-90s. Since the mid-90s. Okay. And I think we've seen since then that it is more accepted now to use some of these modalities in more conventional healing practices and arenas like people in the hospital, people recovering from cancer, people going through treatment. Um, and so I'm curious to just start with your story and going from a master's in nursing and how you came into this and how the landscape has changed for energy practitioners and the, the whole field of energy medicine since the mid 90s. Yeah, well, it's changed a tremendous amount. In the mid-90s, it was people dabbling. Mm -hmm. It was um, Rosalind Brayer working in California, doing some research, and it was not big business research. This was dabbling. Mm -hmm. um, Brew Joy, many of the people that wrote the initial books in the field of energy medicine were just starting in the mid nineties, uh, in the mid eighties to the mid nineties. Mm -hmm. And it was dangerous really for someone in allopathic or traditional healthcare to dabble in the more esoteric forms of healing because the, uh, big business, AMA, would come after them and threaten them with their licenses. Wow. So I actually came into this completely back-assward. Uh -huh. uh, the last thing in my EIEIO behind my name is my master's in nursing. So that isn't oh. where I started. It is where I ended. Oh. Um, I actually started in um, talk therapy, psychotherapy, back in the 70s. And um, I actually left it at the time because I felt like it was designed to keep people sick. Tell me again how that person abused you. Tell me again how you felt when that happened to you. And it seemed to dredge it on and on. And mm. Although it gave me a basis for talking to people and as a shy and introverted person, that was very helpful. Um, but I didn't, I didn't feel terribly drawn to the field. And when I was um, out of high school, um, I started 
uh, actually, when I was in college, I started looking at energy medicine, both to receive it, as well as training in it. Mm-hmm. Um, because number one, I got it really cheap as a full time student. So I thought, oh, this is something I can do on the weekend. And number two, it was something that had always kind of interested me because of feeling like an old soul, um, having some intuitive ability, being an empath. Um, those things kind of led me to working one-on-one with people rather than looking at a different type of field that would be more, I don't know if you can hear that in the background. <laughs> that was my dogs deciding there's a squirrel outside. <laughs> the house is a little ADD over here. <laughs> I love it. No, we're integral. We love the cameos, sound or sight. Wonderful. All right, well, you're likely to get more. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that's how I came into it. I actually was receiving energy work. A friend of mine dragged me to a lot of different stuff and said, you know, you might want to experience it from my practitioner. And it turned out that practitioner taught classes in town. And that's where I ended up getting some training initially. Got it. And what led you to, at the end of this journey, get a master's in nursing? Yeah. Uh, Well, my background is not traditional healthcare, and and I am a firm believer in standards. And I felt like what I needed to be able to enforce standards for a type of healthcare, which I firmly believe energy medicine is a branch of healthcare, that I needed to understand the business of. And that's what a master's is. It's the business of whatever you're studying. So I went on and I have an undergrad in um, environmental biology and chemistry. So it was a bridge into another science field. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have no license in nursing and I've never practiced as a nurse. So, yeah, it's an unusual it's an unusual combination of things that are in my background. (laughs) That's wonderful. It's a wonderful combination. And I I hear you on this sort of, you know, having a little bit more authority in that allopathic world for furthering such a powerful modality as energy medicine makes sense. So great that you did that. I'm curious to know, like, how has that receptivity um, increased over time with that branch? Uh, I just, I have so many people who have used energy medicine to heal so many things. And yet I, I find that, you know, we see acupuncture over there, right? But we don't really see like Reiki as much, you know, it's changing. And um, what are the modalities that you practice that seem to cross over into that world a little bit more than others? Well, any of them with more structure and more of a research base behind them. So Mm -hmm. sound healing has is really coming along in terms of research and what they're coming out with now are um, evidence based uh, reporting on using sound to break up, say, um, blockages in the in the arteries in in or so in the or they'll use sound therapy to break up congestion in an artery before placing a stent or instead of placing a stent and and this is this is much more commonplace now so in terms of looking at that research base we have now decades and decades of experience and probably the same decades and decades of research, even though it may not have been mainstream back in the 90s, people were doing research in the 90s. And if you understand, you know, that there's a difference between um, quantitative and qualitative research, when you're in a vague field, you're not going to get quantitative, you're going to get more qualitative Mm -hmm. reporting. Mm -hmm. What was someone's experience of that? And now it's been around a long time, and there are a ton of different disciplines in the field of just hands-on healing 
that there are a lot of reports where people have benefited and not just in specific situations like cancer or aging or pain, but certainly we have a lot of reporting on those things that are measurable like pain. Yeah. And so can we just go through the, all right, so you're a licensed therapist and uh, master's in nursing. And what, what is this SEM? I'm sorry if I. No, I'm glad you asked about that because yeah. that's my program. Oh, tell us a little bit about that. Acronym. So my program uh, is a program in energy medicine. It's a discipline called energy therapy. And it's really geared to the practitioner. I mean, you can study with no background whatsoever, but it's really designed for practitioners in the field of energy medicine to get the stamp of approval that I think is the creme de la creme in the field, which says you're a specialist in energy medicine, which means you can diagnose and treat all parts of the energy body. So this is huge because in my, in my experience, and I've dabbled in a lot of different disciplines, nobody is really teaching the whole energy system how to diagnose and treat it, which if you're a, a healthcare practitioner, you know, you can go to someone that does reflexology that works with the hands and the feet and possibly even the face and the ears. And they're working the meridian system mm -hmm. because those are the endpoints of the meridian system. So that's where we'll get congestion and that's where you can move energy to create more flow and health. But the meridian system is one of five or one of four, depending on how you look at it. And if you can't treat in the others, and if you don't understand how the systems um, interact with each other, then you may not be getting the biggest bang for your buck in terms of paying for healthcare, paying for healing. Now, Get each it. person does their own healing and the practitioner based on their training and their, and their presence and their intention is going to facilitate, assist you. But, you know, we all know that the practitioner can be the key in the, the lock, uh, the key in the lock, you 100%. know, you, you don't know what it is you need to heal. You're willing to do the healing, but you need someone that has enough background that they can put the key in the lock and say, try this. Okay. I, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people and they're like, I don't know if I need acupuncture or... Um, massage or Reiki, or do I need to do chakra work or right? So could you tell us the four or the five different energy systems that you think are the main ones so that we can yep. just have those here? Yep. The first system that is given rise to before you manifest as an individual is the matrix. And we each have a matrix and there is a collective matrix. So how you hold your vibration and intention in the matrix and how you connect to the collective is one system. It is the highest vibration, most subtle of our energy. That okay. system then gives rise to the Hara system. H-A-R-A. And the HARA system is the system of contracts, trauma, and karma. And so it is almost like the blueprint for what your life will unfold as and all of the possibilities and opportunities that you have in your kit bag to draw from. It is the next lower vibration system. And it exists before the physical body. So if you're working physical healing, you're going to have to speed up that energy a lot to have impact on the Hara system. The mm. next system, next lower vibration system is the chakra system. 
And the chakra system, I teach seven major chakras. I look at seven levels of each of the chakras. And that is the issues system. So that, and each chakra has its own bag of, of um, influences and issues. So it's things like, am I good enough? Um, am mm. I just surviving? How do I find love? Things like that. That's the chakra system. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, again, it steps down. It lowers to the meridian system, which is the system of flow through the body mm-hmm. that contributes to the organs and the body systems. Now, right. it, because it's the lowest vibration of the energy systems, it's the most closely associated with the densest system, which is the physical. So things done within the meridian system are going to have almost an immediate impact on the physical body. So better flow, uh, less muscle pain, more function, um, moving out congestion. But it's a best choice for someone who has a lot of physical involvement. Again, though, to speed that energy up to make a change at the level of trauma is going to take a lot of work. Whereas working the trauma system, the energy just trickles down and makes change all the way through because it's the blueprint for the lower vibrational systems. So if the blueprint's off, you can do a lot of work on the physical body and never make an impact. Um, The fifth one is the energy field, what radiates around us. And that's a culmination of all the other fields or all the other systems. And that's your boundaries. And that's things like energy field disturbances are very classic in terms of how the energy field expresses around the body. I have so many questions. This is brilliant. (laughs) So brilliant. I I wonder if we could just kind of have questions in each one, but you did say something about trauma. Um, Horror system. That's the horror system. Yep. Okay. Got it. So um, I, I'm going to just throw a couple of things out there. Cause I'm, I just want like myself to get oriented. Now I'm familiar with uh, Richard Bartlett and the matrix energetics. And is that when you mean, is that the same matrix or is this a different, I mean, it's not like he's the authority on the matrix, but just so I can get like a little understanding. I do believe so. I have not studied with Bartlett, so I'm not sure that I can. Yeah give you a definitive answer, but I will tell you that it, it exists at a level that most of us don't access because it's so much beyond, it's where we connect to the all. So yes. we're so focused on our own expression, needs, desires, manifesting, that there isn't a lot that we do at the level of the matrix. However, depending on what's happened in someone's life, the matrix could be compromised, which means there's less of you available to you. And that tends to Mm -hmm. show up more in the system of trauma, where something has blocked you from accessing more of who you are. So we tend to work it in the Hara system, but we can assess what you know, whether or not the energy flow is there in the matrix, it's just not one I've I it's not one I've fully developed yet, and it's not one that I would teach before I had advanced students through my program. Got you. Um, there's something about this collective matrix which feels evolutionary somehow. That I don't know if it's a return to that or if we're as humanity just now developing the capacity to, I don't know if this is the right word, but leverage that origin point or, but there's something that for me, when I hear you talk about it, that I, I, I just wonder if as we develop as human beings and as your work develops, if, is that the point to go to learn more from that space, that I more think- subtle realm? I think you're right on both counts. I think that it is coming around again 
because we tend to live our lives as experiments and a lot of experiments don't work out real well. So we go back and we go, okay, when has it been better? You know, what more can we, you know, what can we do to improve this situation? And so we've kind of had a full run right now with this life is to be, be uh, to be profited by. Mm. And we've gotten to a situation where we've profited from the planet to the point where we're killing it. And if you break that down into different societies, you're going to see the same kind of isolation and separation. And I think right now we're looking at, okay, let's step back and that didn't work. That didn't serve us quite so well. So what kind of system, what do we need to add here? How do we need to shift this to really access more of what's possible for each of us. And so I think it's both things that you said. It's coming around again. So we're having another opportunity. And I think it's also that when we're developed enough consciously that we're able to embrace more of that collective, which is the difference from human to humanity, we're able to really step into more of that humanity and once we have that consciousness, which is starting, but I wouldn't say it's well-developed, then I think what it does is it gives us access to more of the matrix. Yes. Okay, cool. Because it just, it feels like when you talk about this collective matrix and that vibrational field and that it's everywhere and that's like before the Hara, I just feel like it's a re- it could be a resource in a way and a rebirth um, and a rebirth. rebirth. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Wonderful. So then now moving from the highest vibration, we're in the Hara system and you said this is a blueprint. Now, what do you mean by that? It holds all of your possibilities. So if you have a blueprint for a house, you may not build out the basement when you build the house but you have a blueprint for it. You have a structure to create upon. And that Hara is our blueprint for creating our individual life. And sometimes we access all of it. And sometimes we access little pieces of it. And usually it's a life process of opening more and more of the closets and doors in your house and finding out what you have available to you. Some of it you come in knowing, I think. It's just part of your gift package that you come in with. But I think there are other pieces that as we develop and grow our consciousness throughout our life, and I think the whole purpose of growing our consciousness is through community interactions with others. Because by ourselves, hey, we're cool. I don't need anything. Yeah. But it's then you bounce it off someone else and you go, hmm. Maybe I could improve that. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah. And and also, maybe I could live into that more based yes. on, right? Possibility, vision. But I'll tell you right now, I want my blueprint, right? Like, because this is so funny that you're using this example, because lit- literally we bought this house and they're in the plans the basement's been unfinished. We've been living in here for, you know, 13 years. And it's, it kills me that we still haven't refinished the basement. And I I kind of feel like, gosh, if I have a blueprint and there are places that I haven't lived into, I mean, is it possible to live into your entire blueprint? So it's, and, and, and then the other thing is why wouldn't everything be on the blue? Isn't anything possible? Right. People say anything's possible. Anything is possible. Just like you have a blueprint for your house, you could build out the basement and call it a day. But you could also add on to your house additional blueprint. So you can always add more. It's like the blueprint. You know, it's. uh, I had this um, memory when I started studying energy medicine and really doing some deeper personal work. And I had a memory reoccur of sitting at a small square table with my angel, my guide. And it was like I woke up in the middle of this conversation. I knew I'd been having this conversation with my angel. 
And my angel said, okay, so let me get this straight. In this next life, your first lesson is going to be to deal with issues of ego and anger. And then you're going to graduate to issues of compassion and the heart. Is that right? And I remember sitting there nodding and thinking, what the hell am I agreeing to? And and my angel says, that's a lot for one lifetime. Are you sure? And me thinking, yeah. And then I remember falling backwards and getting smaller and smaller and waking up in a baby's body. And so I think what happens is that we do have, you know, people talk about end of life, you have a life review kind of thing. And now actually research is documenting that moment post uh, death or a near death experience where the brain goes through this system of life review. So they've actually documented it. Wow. I think it happens on the other end coming in as well, where we have say over what our blueprint will be in this lifetime. But I also know, because remember, Hara's system is contracts, karma, and trauma. But I also know for a fact that you can rewrite your contract after you've been here. So there are more additions to your blueprint that you can add. Oh, God, thank goodness. (laughs) But but also... um... Yeah. I mean, it's funny when you think of, and again, I'm thinking of, I I hate to keep pulling in other people because your work is brilliant. You've synthesized some, I don't know this, this whole, I've never seen everything all together like this, but here I am thinking of Carolyn Mace and sacred contracts. And I happened to, I used to work at Sounds True and, you know, she was one of our, our big authors. And I, I listened to the audio of that book and I remember how hard she was with this. You made a contract. I can hear her voice, you know, (laughs) and there was something in me that just thought, oh my God, like, can I go back and get a lawyer and redo that? Because, you know, and it just, it, 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 I mean, of course, I'm not saying that she was like, you can't get out of it. But in a way she was saying, like, but when are you going to recognize this and yeah. play this out as a player and stop feeling a victim to, you know, what's happening in your life? And I appreciated that part of the message, but I sure like what you're saying here. Yeah, no, you can, you can rewrite a contract. And the bottom line is we have these little lives and we think these little lives that we have are at the grace of someone else. They're the grace of our parents who help create us and raise us. They're the grace of our partners who we have to get along with. They're the grace of the culture, the community that we live in. But in fact, the deeper you go into personal growth work, the more you are faced with the fact that you are the decider. You are the judge who put that contract in place. You are the keeper of the contracts. And if you have a contract that's no longer serving you or that's getting in your way, you can rewrite it because as the divine entity within your life, you have all power. You, you are that. When, the, when Christian religion tells you that God was, man was created in God's image, what do you think that means? It means we are God. Yeah. And if we are the God of our life, you have to have enough consciousness to be able to wield that in a way that benefits you. And once those illusions or once that consciousness is raised within you, then you go, oh, it's all possible. I am the only one who gets in my own way. I am the only one who draws these people to me that mirror what I most need to see. I am the one. If I've got a beef with someone, it's right here. Hello, lovely listeners. I want to pause for a moment here to make sure that you know how you can get even more access to this type of inspiration and support. Emerging Women has its own membership community 
where you get teachings from incredible female leaders and coaching support directly from me, as well as other brilliant members within the Emerging Women Tribe every month. If you are ready to go deeper into your own leadership and emerging journey, head over to EmergingWomen.com for a free trial of our membership community. We've truly designed it as a hub for women like you who want to create change in the world. Don't go it alone, sisters. Head over to EmergingWomen.com forward slash membership and start your free trial today. Now, let's get back to our conversation. Wow. Okay, this is like... um rocking me on so many levels because uh so w- what you're saying is we are the grace is that right so it's not the grace of something else no, and now family. i would say at living in a human body you have access to the grace yeah it is your consciousness once you can embrace all of it that is the grace Oh. And there's still some separation there because yeah. we live in these human bodies. Okay. So in the Hara system, just one more question here. As we're human beings, one of the things that I have been really working on in myself is moving into the more subtle realm where I am living more in that grace and less with will. I am a will master. If I will it, it's going to happen. And I've burned out from that and really trying to embrace the feminine and trust more and surrender more. Right. And so um, it's, it's such a practice for me because I know I can make something happen on will but the trust is hard to trust, right? So where does that sort of come in in terms of, you know, I I spent a lot of time like reaching out to the divine or like looking for signs. And, but when you say that you are that, what am I looking to? In other words, looking to that part of yourself that you have access to through the subconscious. Okay. So this I really relate to because it's a more accessible concept than I'm surrendering. And what does the universe think? And right. Like (laughs) for someone who's so will focused, I like it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to point you to my website. My, I, I do a monthly blog and this month's blog is on why, why people manifest so effortlessly. And uh, it just came out today. And I I want you to specifically go read it because you, I would believe, are a master manifester, which if you think it, you create it. But this whole blog is about how that's actually working energetically and why that surrender and that feminine peace is so important and how master manifestors tend to get in their own way. So it's not just for you, it's for everybody, but it it talks about this actual quirky thing that we all talk about, but we don't very well understand, which is how do we manifest? Mm, I can't wait. And just, uh, we will put that in the resources for listeners, 100%. I think it's a key point. And I think that often women, we don't trust the trust, right? We feel like if we're going to surrender, like, do you know what I mean by that? Like if we're going to surrender for some weird reason, I feel like the masculine, it just kind of like, they just go on. And, but when we, when we really have to push against that, which has proven itself to be reliable, like I'm going to get up and I'm going to do this and I'm going to force my way. And you get results, especially in this Western culture, right? When the, when the universe rewards you for that approach, it's hard to shift gears and to trust enough and long enough to see the results coming in through this other way that you're talking about. Well, uh, let me talk about that a little bit. I mean, the piece that you're talking about having to function under accessing your will, pushing, making things happen. That is all a masculine trait. That is all dictated by solar plexus chakra. We live in a patriarchy. We live in a patriarchal world. We live in a patriarchal country. We live in a social system that rewards the masculine. And we know, we have learned as women 
that the only way we're accepted or effective is if we use the masculine ourselves, but our strength lies in the feminine. And we have to be able to bridge those two because we are coming back to full circle, to needing both the masculine and the feminine in a balanced way for our culture to actually take us to the place where we can access this collective matrix to create a different life. So that trusting piece is hard for us. And it's hard because we've been battered down so many times Mm, mm, and told that you don't get anything unless you for it. Well, we're not talking about power like this. We're talking about power like this. So we have to be able to stand into that place and surrender, which is trust. Yeah. Yes. I love it. And I know it to be true. And it's still a practice for me. But there's a way that you're talking about it in terms of, I don't know, that like kind of calms my critter brain knowing that it is actually my power and it is within, it's something that um, I have control over. So it sort of like, like it calms that part of me that wants to have control. And the control is I can let go and I can trust. I know that's so weird. The control is actually through being, not doing. And that's why it moves from the masculine to the feminine, which is the being passive, creative, intuitive. Yes. And that's a, there's a lot of strength there and there's a lot of comfort there. If you actually let yourself be in that, yeah, that's where the wisdom part will say, Nope, you're on track. You're doing fine. Keep with it. Whereas the mental chatter part goes, but it doesn't look like it's supposed to look for you to survive. Yeah. (laughs) That's the part that, gets us off track. Oh, me too. I mean, that's, that's my Achilles heel. Okay. So for the blueprint, how do I find out what my Hara blueprint is? Um, You can do it through meditation. You can actually have it assessed. Now you can do an assessment. A practitioner can do an assessment of the Hara and tell you where it's functioning at a high level, where it may be processing, where it may be stuck or compromised, where a trauma may be held that's keeping it from flowing at optimum, that kind of thing. So it's not a system a lot of people teach. And um, it's one that I've really developed my practice around probably in the last 22 years. Wow. I mean, it feels like, and, 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 you know, I think we all know more about the chakra system, the meridian system and how that connects to the physical and, you know, but these two systems right here, I I'm with you on, let's get to the underlying piece. So someone could see one of your practitioners and get sort of a reading on this. And when you say the traumas, are you talking about past life? Uh, most most traumas that you don't aren't aware of the origin of come from past lives, come gotcha. from somewhere okay. else. But I say past lives, it may not be your past lives, it may be generational. It may ah. have gone mother, daughter, mother, daughter, mother, daughter. It may be cultural. It may be, you know, second born to second born. There's all different kinds of ways that patterns flow to give you Remember, all of these things are ways that your body has been programmed to tell you where you need to work. Because the only reason we're here is to grow our souls. Right. Outside of this lifetime, I think we are perfect. We have access to everything. We just don't have this medium to see ourselves as separate from where we can bounce off other people. So if we're holding these things in our energy system They're there as mirrors for us so we know where to do our work, where to grow our souls. And you might need some help finding it because it's so subtle. Yes. Okay. Okay. So really working with a practitioner is the best way, but you did mention meditation. You mean like just constantly asking yourself. Meditation allows you to go deeper and deeper into your own subconscious where wisdom can percolate up. Okay. 
Gotcha. And when you're talking about trauma, you know, trauma isn't the only thing held in that bl- bl- blueprint system. But if there is trauma held there, obviously, it might be beneficial to talk to someone who specializes in trauma release work through mental processes like talk right. therapy. But certainly an energy practitioner that works in that system would be trained to do trauma release work. I mean, I would only want to see some, now that I know this, it's like, why wouldn't I want to see someone who specializes in the Hara system? Why even bother with chakras and meridians? And Well, because they're all a piece of it and they all have their own access points to the whole. Okay. And they can come with, you know, there are a thousand roads to Nirvana. So they can all come with bits of enlightenment that help you see the whole. Got you. So, and what I want to tell you, what again, what makes my program so different, level one is online. And in level one, we talk about all of these systems. Yes. Okay. Now I want to ask more about your program, but now I just want to kind of just touch on, now we're into the chakra system and you said these are where the issues lay. Like you mean uh, things that we want in our life that we're not able to get? or personality traits or all of it because they're programmed by they're programmed by early development up through your life. So if you start at the root chakra, the root chakra is at the base of the spine roughly. And, and again, the chakra system exists before the physical body. So these are rough areas of location and zones of the body that are related So if you're talking the root chakra, this is family of origin. So this is birth to like, I don't know, three years old. It's how you learn you're supposed to be in the world. Are you male or female? Uh Are you firstborn? Are you closest to one parent or the other? Did you have grandparents, aunts, uncles, siblings? Did you, were you raised within a cultural environment or a religious cultural environment or a religious environment, et cetera? All of that stuff gets start, starts getting patterned in root chakra very early on in life. And then as you start to move into individuation, three to five yeah. to six, you move into sacral chakra, which is more of one-on-one relationship. So rather than the family as a whole, now you work into how does that relate to me? But mm. sacral chakra is modeled by mother, feminine. So it's mother, daughter, mother, son. It's female, female. And being female, it's your relationship with yourself as well. So there are a lot of issues that come in there about, do I like myself? Um, mm-hmm. Am I pretty? Am I what people have said I should look like to get mm-hmm. ahead in the world? Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of stuff. And then you move into solar plexus, which is father, child, or masculine. And it's power, self-esteem, boundaries. All of those things become the issues of that chakra. And on up. And they go up through the crown. Right. Okay. Clear on the issues. And then the meridian system is the sort of physical. Now we're getting into the physical body. Well, it relates to the physical, but it's the organs and the body system. So even the organs can have issues and Mm -hmm. fall in zones of the body. So there's an interface between the meridians, the organs, and the chakras that that zone is. So if we look at the liver, the liver has its own system of issues. The liver is about detoxing. It's about abuses. It's about how I nurture myself in some ways, especially mm-hmm. if it's alcohol or something that's toxic to me, right? Liver falls in solar plexus chakra, so it can be aggravated by anger. It can be patterned by dad and his behavior, especially around things like his reaction to power and his reactions with anger. It can, abuses and addictions all sit in solar plexus as well. So now you can see where the liver, 
the pancreas, the gallbladder are all still patterned by that same chakra, but they're governed more by how the body actually functions. Got it. I mean, just brilliant. You really can't do one system. You really have to be working on, on all levels is what I'm seeing here. And now the energy field around us, which is number five, when you said that, I was just like EMFs, you know, I just got an electric car and I'm just like, am I just like ruining my energy field or um, tell us a little bit more about that one in detail. This is one of my favorites, actually. I've done a lot of work with the energy fields. And one of the early realizations I had in measuring a client's energy field was I started to see patterns with uh, what we might call learning disabilities and the energy field. So the energy field is roughly, I don't know if I can give you this, if you can, it's roughly just beyond your fingertips with your arms outstretched. Okay. So Leonardo da Vinci told us this is roughly our height. So if you're Okay. 5'8", your energy field bubble around you should approximately be about six feet in diameter. Okay. So I measure from the body out in each direction when I first see a client. And what I started noticing is people with an energy field just beyond the physical body were almost 100% of the time, almost 100% of the time diagnosed as ADD or ADHD. It is an energy field disturbance. And then you also notice other things when you Meaning that the energy field doesn't go that far beyond it. Okay, both my And what happens when the energy field is so much closer than it's supposed to be, what happens is everything happening around you is not buffered by this natural buffering system. And now all of it is happening in your energy. What's that? What's who's, who's over there? Why, who's doing that? Why, what is that noise? You can't focus effectively on any one thing because you're hearing it and seeing it all at once. It's remarkable. And how I learned this is I was working on a, a young boy who was 10 and he had, was moving between his fourth and his fifth school in, his, in two school, school years, he moved that many times. And um, he came in and he was doing that. Is that your dog? Who's that coming down the street? Who else is in your house? Halfway through, and all I did was expand his energy field. He was sitting real, he was lying real still on the table. And I had to rouse him at the end of the session. I said, how are you doing? And he looked at me and he said, I feel like I don't need my medicine for the first time in my life. And I went, oh, my God, we are going to change lives just being able to look at the whole package and what's functioning and what's not functioning. And it has been that huge in my practice. And that's not the only thing. You can also look at the energy field. If you look at yourself, because most people are really good at looking at themselves, and we ask for their history, and they said, oh, well, you know, I had a ruptured eardrum and I had a dislocated shoulder and I have pain in my the same hip and I've had a, a, you know, a torn ligament in this knee. And when you look at that package and you say all in this case, I'm, it's opposites, right side, right side, right side, right side, right side, right side. Then you get the history and you go, oh, and these are masculine issues, masculine issues, masculine chakra governs the right side of the field. And you you think this is interesting. And then you measure the energy field and you find that it's off the body one way or the other. And you trace it back to a fall, a blow or a car accident. You've got your picture. You've got your blueprint and why it's not functioning. Wow. I I got a little teary, to be honest with you, on so many levels, because both of my sons are ADHD. They're also dyslexic. Um, and they have dysgraphia. <laughs> so I'm like dealing with all these issues. And I just, um, and my husband is uh, ADHD undiagnosed, but I'm just wondering, like, generationally, are, is our energy field, is the human energy field shrinking? I think it is. Okay. It, I, I can't 
I can't give you a definitive answer because I'm such a private practice person that yeah. I can only go by what I see in my private practice sure. and what I notice in other people. Um, so I can't tell you across the board that that's happening, but I would not at all be surprised with all of the EMFs and the, you know, the high powered technology and the phone in your pocket all the time and all that kind of stuff. However, there are other energy field disturbances that are also very common. So an empath is someone who feels their world. They interact with the world through their emotional field that makes them empathic, right? They're emotional. And that's their, usually there is a reason for that. They have learned from a very young age that if they send their energy field out farther from the body, then they get information about the world that they're in and they can determine very early on whether they're safe. Okay, this is a safety mechanism. And what I've measured for empaths is their energy field tends to be eight to 10 feet in diameter instead of six. Uh But what I've also seen with them is that they tend to give away more of their energy and they take on more stuff from other people because the edge of their energy field is not as secure. It's not as strong. It's beyond a place that we can control easily. Mm. And so they, they, they err on the side of emotional because they've learned that in order to survive or that's their natural tendency. You know, they're a very expanded, a very sensitive person. Mm. We can control our energy field. We can learn to have a healthy energy field and it can be corrected in the first visit. Wow. Okay, that is amazing. Just so fascinating that you can actually do that in one visit. So again, I'm curious, not only do I want my Hara system blueprint, <laughs> my contracts and my I want traumas, my fields fixed. I want my I want my field, I want my issues fixed. I want my organs healthy because I keep taking this like, you know, to help me sleep at night. I mean, nothing too hard, but hard enough. And then, you know, I know my liver needs a little help. And anyway, and I want to know what my energy field is around me. So tell us about your, uh, you've got a program here. Um, Tell me about the program and level one. I mean, even if I'm not a practitioner, it sounds like I would benefit from this or is it online? You can read this stuff online or do you need to have hands on or? No, it's all an online program. And then it, it. A lot of programs out there err on the error. They choose to focus on teaching you a lot of techniques. Uh-huh. And my program follows more of the history and philosophy of Barbara Brennan, who wrote the oh, book yeah. Hands of Light many, many years ago and has yes. her own program. Well, she's three quarters of the way through her second book, Hands of Light. And before she ever talks to you about doing hands-on work with someone else, it's all about balancing your own energy, getting in touch with your own, setting intention, grounding, centering. And so most of my level one program is very strong on structure, ethics, professionalism, self-care, boundaries. And then at the end of it, I introduce two very simple, very um, universal techniques for moving energy. And you do that on yourself. And then I introduce how to do it on someone else. And then there's some homework given, very simple documentation that you bring with you to level two. So level two is in person, but level one gets you started. And it's the background on the energy systems and all the basics, I think, are the most important pieces to being an ethical professional in this field. Got it. And what about people like me who, here I am growing my business and, you know, I'm, I want to like do everything. I want to do my blueprint. I want to actualize myself. I want to, you know, live in divine flow and trust more and all of that. Would I benefit from this? 
even though I actually I'm not got, an individual practitioner? Yeah, I actually got into energy medicine, not because I ever thought I'd work on someone else. Ah, I did okay. it all for me. I learned a lot about myself. I learned practices I could use on myself. I was um, in group meditative type situations that helped me expand my own self-awareness. And, you know, the side thing was I got to practice with other people as well. And I built a community of like-minded people, but I never thought I would be a practitioner. I never thought I'd be an instructor. I certainly never thought I'd have my own program because the whole focus was my own self-development and growth. So I think it doesn't matter. It's not, I mean, if you are a practitioner, this is going to be a stamp of approval at a very high level Mm -hmm. that you have what it takes to practice in this field, but it's not going to teach you every technique you'll ever use. It's not going to teach you everything you need to know to go out and, you know, and work in healthcare. It's it's going to really give you the foundation that is the most important pieces to being ethical and professional. And if you only use it with yourself, at least, you know, you're working with an ethical and and professional practitioner. (laughs) Yes. So great. I love it so much. Um, I'm very intrigued and excited and just feel so grateful that you're doing this work and packaging it in this way. And don't be surprised if you see me in that first program. Is it an ongoing uh, self-study or do you have certain launches? No, it's on demand. So you Mm -hmm. can sign up anytime. Actually level 2A, which I am just completing. Let me tell you how I did my program because it'll make sense why I'm kind of, again, back ass word with my program. So I taught two other programs and all levels of those programs for several years, many years. One, I was so involved with them. I also was their ethics chairperson. I was a certification reviewer and all of the the standard pieces as well. And I wrote my coursework as advanced practice on those other programs because people weren't learning as much as I thought they should know. Mm. And in fact, one of those two programs actually Uh, weaned out over the years, a lot of the energy knowledge that is essential Mm -hmm. to practicing energetically. And it was very frustrating, but I didn't want to recreate the wheel. So I kept building these advanced practice courses. But over the end of that period of time, when I left that program, it became obvious to me that I was reteaching those students anyway, because they were losing so much of the foundation I had when I came through years ago. And I had to recreate those beginning classes, which is what I'm finishing now. So ET1 is the first one, which is online on demand, and it's 12 continuing at nursing CEs. So it gives you official nursing CEs oh, as wonderful. well. And then 2A will be offered for the first time here in Colorado, uh, Memorial Weekend. And it is three full days and also nursing CEs. My whole program offers nursing CEs. And so from after level one, you come to 2A and that's where we get deeper into practice and technique and Mm -hmm. documentation. Um, And also that's where you get this which is the program notebook, which holds all of the program course materials, which you then would add as you go through the courses. So that's why I'm finishing the beginning courses, but the advanced courses are already there. Got it. Okay. Um, I have a few other questions, but I think as far as the podcast um, for this time, I just feel so grateful for the overview and I'm leaving this feeling very inspired just to uh, realize that I have more, I don't know that I I want to invest more in learning and paying attention to my energy body, um, which is kind of, I've always seen it. And now I think I'm even more so seeing it this way in between the physical and the 
spiritual, or maybe it is the spiritual. I'm not really sure, but it feels like it's always been kind of the tie between my purely physical being and the, and myself as source or in this collective matrix, like it's the place in between. I don't know if that's the right way to still think about it after this. Well, I think it's important that as we, as we experience life and we're choosing for ourselves what's working and what's not working, often our early stuff is how am I doing physically? Do I have a roof over my head? Do I have a job? Do I have friends? And then as we get deeper into life and we think, well, that's not all there is. Then we start thinking, how can I be happier? How could I be more of who I'm supposed to be? How do I engage more of my creativity? What is this whole spiritual thing? You know, what does it mean? And what does it mean to me? And how do I get in touch with that? These, These may be first world problems, but it's the direction of humanity on this planet is to get in touch with all of who we are so that we can make the world around us a better place. And that's the piece that I think is more first world is that we, we don't get to have a better world to live in unless everybody has that better world. And I think that's the thing we forget is it's not just about me. It's not just, I need to have it. I mean, look at these billionaires whose boats are sitting in confiscation in different ports I mean, they have it all, really, but they can't use it. Why can't they use it? Because not everybody has something. Yeah. And you can't lord it over other people and think, oh, my my little corner of the world is good. We're here to make all of the world better. And that's, in, that's kind of where we're at with our transition right now. And with, I think, coming full circle and having that matrix stimulated around us is like, we got to do more. We got to do more. So you're right on track. You're right on track. Well, you've you've said it with so much power and um, I'm super inspired. And I thank you so much for your time. It has been my pleasure. I've heard so much about you and I'm so fortunate to get to meet you. Yes, same. More to come for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.